Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. What's going on, Martin? Oh, hey there. That's actually not an adequate name for you anymore. Yeah? You need something more hipster. I don't know what name that would be. I don't know, like Eugene? Could I be Malachi? I've always thought that name there was kind of cool. Yeah, Malachi, that's a pretty good one. I'm feeling pretty patriotic today. Yeah? You know? Something also, like that. Just also a, blinded. A little bit. Can't see through that. Like I need to bring justice to the world. But I will curb those impulses just a bit. Yeah. How much can you see through those flags? Not very well. <laughs> I can tell that the camera's on. Um, and I can I can see you, but there is kind of just like a screen over the world. Oh, and well, just so we're clear, I'm fairly certain that that, that might be violating flag code. What, this? Yeah. You're not supposed to put the flag on stuff. You're not supposed to put the flag under stuff. You're not supposed to put it on clothing and stuff, just so you know. Wait, for real? Yeah. There's nobody, a lot no, of people No, out nobody there cares. The flag nobody code. cares. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> there's you're a under lot arrest. of frat guys with like flag short shorts at every university in the entire country that are going to have a rude awakening. Oh, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I read that that was thing. I mean, it's like a lot of old rules that nobody listens to, so it's not like it matters. Oh, okay, I'm cool. just saying, I'm fairly certain it does say that somewhere. Fair enough. So people are going to be listening to this on what, like November. Sixth or something like that. Someday that is not today. It's Halloween while we're recording this, so we get to wear costumes and you have to deal with it. Unless yeah. you're listening to this, in which case you don't really you don't have to deal get to with see it. it. Yeah, yeah. Far more people listen to this podcast than watch it on YouTube. So I guess just the few people who do watch it on YouTube have to deal with the dumb costumes. Uh, but we have five questions today. I like five questions episodes. These are. Uh, these are fun. And I do have to admit that we meant to do a, a book analysis episode this week, but I'm a slow reader. You are a slow reader. I'm a very slow reader. And I'm not even done with the book that I'm currently on, which I need to finish before I start the book that we're going to talk about. I don't think people want us to analyze um, the history of cryptography book that I'm reading. Unless, of course, they do. I don't know. That. Seems like it might be a little esoteric. A little we bit, can talk about Caesar ciphers and Enigma machines. I don't and, know what that means. And RSA and all kinds of stuff. I can talk about that. I don't know. I, I mean, I know what some of that means. I don't know what all that means. Well, read the book. But I also don't Duh. care. Yeah, I don't think people are going to come to the their school success podcast to learn about the origins of cryptography. So I will finish that book hopefully early this week and then uh, start in on the next one. And I do have a bit of a head start because I have read about half of the next one. So hopefully I'll get it done by the time we record and you'll just crush it in a week or in a day because that's oh, what you always do. I already do. read like 20% of it yesterday. Oh, wait, like, did you? I had a spare 40 minutes. I don't know how you read so fast. By putting time into the book. What kind of question is that? I read for like two hours yesterday and I didn't did finish the book. Did you read that book? No, I read their cryptography book. Well, there you go. You're reading a really ridiculous dense book with a bunch of names and words and stuff. I mean, the other book has names and words and stuff. I don't know. I guess the cryptography book is kind of dense, but 
still, I don't expect I persuasion just, books to have like a whole bunch of vocabulary. I'm not that familiar with. That's true. That's I don't the know. entirety of what you're reading. I like read an idea and I think about it for a bit and I, I just don't truck over the words like you probably do. I'm guessing. Because 20% just, of just, that book in just read the books, just hanging out at night and you were playing Mario last night. Yeah. Which I do want to levy a complaint at amazon.com because they lied to me and I did not get my package yesterday. You, you blame an Amazon. Here's why you blame an Amazon, Tom. It's because you weren't loyal enough to pre-order the game when I said, hey, we could get this game at like 10 p.m. And you were like, I don't care that much. It's just a game. And it's now you're all complaining that you don't you, get it the day you wanted. All right. You could have had it days ago. Hear me out. What you told could've me had is, last week. What you told me is I would have to go to GameStop at 3 p.m. to pre-order it. Then again, at you 6 didn't already p.m. pre-order it. That's the issue. Then again at 6 p.m. You failed yourself. To verify the pre-order. Then again at 10 p.m. to get That's the game. That's how early you could have just got it the next morning, and you could have just gone twice. That is true. I don't know. You would have had it sooner if you look, just walked in and hoped they had a copy, look, not for pre-order. I was busy. I was working on some stuff. I was designing. That's what I'm saying. They say Amazon's fault. It's your fault. It is Amazon's fault. For not it considering. Said, it said out for delivery, and then it never got to me. And then they're like, oh, we're sorry. Yeah, but you so, know that, that that's the that's the delivery people's actually, fault. Actually, it's UPS's fault. You're right. But it also, that's UPS. not reliable. It's not going to be perfectly United reliable. And for service. something as important as Super Mario Odyssey, you just need to make things happen yourself. You know, if you want something done right, you do it yourself. Right? That's what this outfit tells to me. I guess you're right. That's yeah. what That's what this axe says. Well, an injustice has been committed. Yeah. UPS has not delivered my game you on time. You better show up to their place with that plastic. No, you should not to. show up to their place <laughs> with the plastic axe. With a plastic don't, axe. I, They're going to be like. Don't do that just in case they're more annoyed. We think you're threatening us, but you're holding a plastic Halloween prop. <laughs> we uh, actually feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> we actually kind of pity you, to be honest. Um, can you leave now? Anyway, yeah. we have five questions. And I got a video to work on, and uh, I don't know, maybe you can help me with it. Uh, I realized this morning that the video topic I was going to do doesn't work for what I'm going to do. So I have a new topic, and we'll talk about it later on. Okay. People will get okay, both videos I don't know what eventually, that means, but though. okay. They will get both videos. We have five questions. Every, I don't know, six weeks or so, month and a half-ish. Something to that effect. We do a five questions episode, which means that we take five questions that have been submitted to us via our Reddit over at collegeinfogeek.com slash community or YouTube comments or Twitter or really anything. Email is another one. People somehow find our email and uh, we just rapid fire answer five of the questions that we don't think really could fit a whole episode. Though more often than not, we end up talking about one question for what could be an episode. Uh, that's my fault, though. What are you going to do? I was born a rambling man, as the Elman Brothers once said. Uh, so we've got five questions, but before we get into it, just want to let you guys know that if you have any questions for us, whether you want them to be on an episode like this or if you want them to be their own episode, if there's something a bit more substantial, you can leave a YouTube comment or email us or tweet us or use smoke signals or neutrino communication if you can figure that out, you know. That's pretty sweet. You may be able to communicate at faster than light speed if you could do that. It would be pretty sweet. But we are going to get into these first, uh, these five questions, starting with the first one. How long do you guys play games on a weekly basis while still being productive? And this person had a sub-question. Also, how do you resist the urge to think about playing when you're supposed to be doing something else? I run into situations where I hit the end of a play session and have something unresolved that keeps me thinking about the game. To be completely fair, they were two different people in the same thread. Oh, but, okay. But the questions are important. They're important questions. We were just talking about Mario. We were just talking about Mario. See, 
we're playing 4D space chess so like, because we think about the first question and segue into it with our seemingly oh yeah. irrelevant intro. Yep, something like that. Uh, so basically, we're looking for some sort of baseline here that says, I'm not probably messing things up if I play this much. That's still possible. Yeah. I personally maybe play games an hour and a half a night, probably a little more on the weekends unless I have something I have to make up. But, you know. You play games every night? Usually. You do? Okay. I don't know. A lot of times I just, I have no idea what you're doing. Unless I'm reading or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say how often I play games because I'm a very phasic person, as you yeah. well know. So I'll get into a game for a while. Like when I was playing Final Fantasy 15, I spent like three yeah, hours. You spent a night three playing hours that. playing the first ten percent of that game. Yeah, I think I think I have like fifteen hours into it, which is weird because I feel like I just started, and week, I probably did just start. I put like a hundred hours into that game, and I've put I don't know that might not be eight true. or ten remember. hours into Stardew Valley at this point. So when I get a new game, I'll probably, I'll go pretty hardcore on it, but then I'll get into something else. Like last night I just played guitar and read that cryptography book and I played no video games Yeah, because there was well, no Mario I guess Odyssey. In that case, play. we can expand this. Like how many hours do you think you spend not doing anything productive? And it's yeah. important to note that we're not students anymore. Yeah. So we're not doing homework. But we played a lot of games. But I, did, I played I did. like 300, 400 hours of Monster Hunter in college. So yeah. Yeah, we play a lot of games. I, the thing is just, like, put your games after the homework. Yeah. You know? Or, I mean, if you if you want to, you could use it as, like, a, a break between homework sessions. Very but specific games like, I wouldn't that with me. Yeah, I wouldn't do Final Fantasy break because you're just going to be thinking no, about the that's story. That's that second question where, like, you're going to get stuck into it. You have to stop, but you're in the yeah. middle of a chapter. Like, I'll play, like, Puyo Puyo Tetris there as a break go. if I yeah. want because I could just turn that off. It does. It's just a little game. And then there are like the story games or the exploration games where you get stuck in them. And those I would probably not play until I'm done with anything because I either won't be able to get into it enough because I know yeah. I have work coming up or I'll get into it. And then I will just be thinking about it during all of my next work. That totally happens. Mm-hmm. So there are certain kind of games that work better. I think a lot of people feel like this is like unfair. Like, oh, I can't play the game I want to play as a break. Just think of it this way. Like, would you go and start a movie and watch 20 minutes of the movie as a break between two homework sessions? Or would you go read like half of a Harry Potter chapter? Yeah. No. Like it, it kind of bothers me most of the time to not finish a chapter. And if yeah. I get stuck in the middle and have to stop, I'll reread the whole chapter again. Mm-hmm. And that's not that helpful either. It would have been better for me to just wait. Yeah, exactly. You know? Whereas when I was in college, sometimes I would take a break from homework and then go play like four songs on Guitar Hero. Or like now, maybe I'll take a break and play, play like two games of Overwatch. That isn't going to linger on in my head all day. It ends. Like I played the songs. That was fun. Okay. And maybe I still want to play, but it's not like I have these open loops in my head. It's just like the thing is done. The break has been had. And I can go back to doing what I want to do. But the main thing is like you have to have an end time to your work day. If you keep working all the time, your efficiency is going to go down. So if you want the break time afterwards to be used for games, then make it used for games. Just make sure that the games or the time you sink into a games is a function of how long you need to do your work efficiently. Yeah. yeah. If you worry about the important stuff first, then like who cares how much you're playing? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I, I played 400,000 hours of Monster Hunter and it one, was not a problem. Yeah. And, and that seems obvious. One thing that I do want to mention here is that there are so many video games 
And if you view yourself as a gamer, you may feel like you're obligated to play them all or that you're going to be missing out. You'll get that feeling of FOMO if you don't play all these games that are coming out. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. Every game company is releasing longer and longer games. Everyone's releasing their giant open world time sync 500 hour adventure. Oh, like I don't I, don't give me another open world game. Stop it. I was I was watching the review for Mario Odyssey and they're like, yeah, after you beat the main campaign, there's like 500 hours of extra stars to find or something like that. And then on the same day, the new Assassin's Creed came out and I'm like, you know what? I want to play both of those, but I probably won't I, just because I have other priorities. You know, it would yeah. be cool to play both of those, but the new Assassin's Creed is also this like much more padded out long RPG style game where there's grinding and you got to go get animal pelts. And it's like, it's not a 10 hour thing like Assassin's Creed one was. So am I going to play it? Yeah. The good old days. Maybe. No, but that's, am I gonna that's beat a good it? thing to bring Probably up not. though. You know, because I used to, uh, I did this similarly recently with my Goodreads account mm-hmm. and it's, I almost had something similar to Goodreads set up with video games a long time ago. But I was like, setting up this list makes me feel horrible because there are so many games I haven't played. And the thing oh, is... the backlog thing? Yeah, the backlog. Having a backlog, <laughs> turning your games into a to-do is bad. I've got some games upstairs I haven't even played. Mm-hmm. Haven't even played yet. They're they're just in there. I'll play them eventually. And if I don't, oh, well, I guess I bought them. What are you going to do? Yeah. But the same thing with books. So for people who do have a backlog of games and that's just stressing you out, I had a backlog of books because every time I walked into a bookstore, I'd add like 10 books and my goodreads mm-hmm. and then i had 400 to read and i was getting to the point where at the rate i kept adding them i would literally die before i could even finish the books i put on a list myself let Not alone if you read all the books that teach you how to become immortal oh okay fair fair so read those but ones first let alone any books that came out after that any yeah. books that i was really into at the moment but hadn't heard of like so i deleted the whole to read list all of it it's just gone i don't care i'm reading whatever i feel like and mm-hmm. i am actually reading quite a bit more so if if you're all stressed out because you can't play enough games maybe that's also something to look at there what is enough yeah. enough is enough to amuse yourself there's too much media in the world to consume and i think that is healthy i don't know one thing i realized is like like you i had been adding books to goodreads for years and i've been doing the same with like a, a list of movies i should watch and tv shows i should watch And then I thought about it critically and I was like, you know what? When I actually end up playing a game or reading a book, it is never because I went onto my Goodreads list and said, which one should I read now? It's never because I went onto my TV shows list. Like I had Game of Thrones in the back of my head for so long. I should watch that someday. It's really good. I never decided to sit down and watch it. The reason I watched it is because Anna started watching it and then she was like, Tom, you have to watch this with me. So I basically like roped into watching it with her and With this cryptography book even, I was in Portland for a wedding. We went to Powell's City of Books, which is the best bookstore in the world. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, I kind of feel like reading something about computer science or cryptography. It just seems interesting right now. So I walk up to the section, browse the shelves for a bit, and I find a couple of books that look interesting. One's called The Code Book. And I'm like, that looks really cool. It's like a history of cryptography. I buy it. Start reading it. Super fascinating. And then I happened to look at my Goodreads the other day. I added it to my my Goodreads four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so like the to read list, may, maybe it is on your list, but that's not even, it's not like you went through with the checklist mindset. I'm going to, yeah. all right, I'm going to read the first book on this list and I'm just going to go down because then what's going to happen is maybe you'll enjoy the books, but you'll probably hate the whole process surrounding it Yeah. and the act of reading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's. 
there there was no I had no rec- like a, a recollection that I had that on my list. Now, this isn't to say that a Goodreads list or a game backlog or a movie list is inherently a bad thing because it can be useful to make a note of the things you might want to read in the future. I think what you're getting at is the problem starts when you start to view it as a task list rather than just a note. When you start to become like unhealthily obsessed with filling out the list or completing it, when you start to feel guilty, we were talking about in another one about no hobby obligations. When you start to feel guilty that you're not getting enough game time to suit your perfect needs to complete all the games coming out this semester. Mm-hmm. That's probably unnecessary. Also, that's what, you know, weekends in the summer are for. You wait till a break and then you just play 90 hours a day. Yeah. You just do it. But it once it starts to feel unhealthy, and you'll know because you feel bad all the time about it, that's when I feel great since deleting all those books. Like, I yep. backed them up. They're not lost forever if I want them, but I don't want them. So they're going to stay hidden in an Evernote archive somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for for me, books and games, I mean, with books, I want to learn things, but with games especially, it's like, it's all about the in-the-moment fun, yeah. not the completion. Yeah, what aspect. if you're not in the mood for, for yeah. like an RPG right now? You shouldn't play Final Fantasy. It's really long and an RPG. If you're yeah. not in the mood, you shouldn't do it. Well, it's the same thing with like piano for you. I'm guessing you don't sit down and then feel guilty that you haven't mastered that uh, Wind Waker song or the uh, Twilight Princess song you've been working uh, no. on. You just well, play it for fun Yeah, and you get a little better every time, but... You know, someday you'll be able to play the whole thing. And you'll be like, oh, that's Maybe. nice. I'm but really bad feel... at finishing songs that I didn't write. Oh, I mean, either way. I like learn half of it and then I'm like, well, that was enough of a challenge. But I mean, there's there's another example. That's if I point. felt guilty for not finishing it, then I would feel bad. So now I'm yeah. just like, that's what I do. I don't care if I finish it. Well, whenever you're playing it, I've never I've never heard you finish the song, but the parts of it that you do play sound awesome. And I'm guessing that it's a lot of fun to play them. Yeah. And I almost never write a full composition on the guitar I'll just create a lick that maybe lasts like a minute or something. And it's great. I love playing that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. and maybe I never finish yeah, it, but fun that's fine. Fun is enough of a purpose. You don't mm-hmm. need to add some sort of task. Yeah. So bottom line with that one, um, your break time, number one, you should prioritize it because you're not going to be efficient without it. But it should be something that comes after the work is done. So that way you don't have to worry about it. And then if you can't stop thinking about a game, number one, play games that uh, – they don't open loops in your head. Yeah, maybe maybe you got to play like the crazy ones on Saturdays yeah. or something. And then for the week, you're just playing some small stuff. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, there's, there's going to be times when there's an open loop in your head. You know, like if you try to live your life in avoidance of open loops, then you would never really dedicate yourself I don't, to I don't anything think you'd cool. succeed at that, no so, matter how hard you tried. Just deal with that, I suppose. I don't know. I have an open loop in my head right now with the design I'm working on, and I have to go work on a video today. Your life would have to be so simple to avoid yeah. ever having something else in the back of your head. You're just going to have to deal with it. Like, I have to get a video out at the end of this week, and if I could choose it, there, you know, I would rather be working on this project I have, but I can't. Yeah. There's obligations that I need to fulfill, so I will do them. Question number two, and this one's, I think, for you more than me. Should I do one language at a time or try learning several simultaneously? Um, well, I would suggest one at a time for the most part. You can, you, you totally can learn more than one, but the problem with that lies in the fact that if you're learning super beginning grammar in two languages, especially if they're similar, you might get them confused. And also, you make better progress on something when you put a lot of time and effort into one focus yeah. And then you've you got that depth. Because if I start learning 
Italian and Portuguese tomorrow. And I'm going to give like 10 minutes a day to both because that's all the language time I have. Then I would be much better off putting 20 minutes into one of them instead because one, I might confuse them. And two, my progress will be so slow in both that I feel bad about both, you know, basically for a long, 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 long time. Yeah, exactly. Plus you can get things mixed up, right? Especially if like you're studying I mix say, things up that Portuguese don't even, and Spanish at the same time. Like, well, I mix up when I'm trying to speak French. My French is a little rusty because I just don't uh, I don't need to maintain it as high of, high of level. I don't use it as often as Spanish and that's yeah. okay. But sometimes I'll just end up using like Spanish words with a French accent. And I speak a very good level of Spanish and uh, two, three years worth of French yeah. that I was pretty good at back in back in that time. So if you wanted to learn more than one, it would be better to stagger them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you like you focus really hard on one language for, I don't know, a month or two or something. And then once you've got like a basic grasp, it would be easier to move on. Yeah. If you if you wanted to learn more than one at once. But as with most things, at least for me, I prefer doing one thing at once because I feel so much better about the progress I'm making. Mm-hmm. Because I would rather be really proud that I'm getting pretty good at Spanish than kind of not wanting to talk about the fact that I'm pretty mediocre at Italian and Portuguese right now. Yeah, exactly. Like the I want to get to the point where I'm proud of it and happy to talk about it and not trying to I don't want to feel guilty. And if I feel behind on multiple languages because I'm learning them at the same time, I will feel bad about them. And that makes yeah. them less fun. Now, I guess the one caveat I'd put here is that with language, the more similar the language is, the more potential there is for crossover, mixing things up and getting things confused, right? Yeah, but there are going to also be times where there are times where I can remember the Japanese word for something for at the moment, but like not something else. Even yeah. and I won't I won't mistake it. I won't replace it and use it. I'll just be like, oh no no no, I know that word in like two languages right now, and that neither of those are the languages that I wanted. Right. Sometimes I don't know a word in English for a little bit. Yeah. So even if they're not related, it might be hard to remember the right ones if you don't practice them enough. Because you really got to keep the language in your head to keep it about. If I stop speaking Spanish. It'll take much longer than French, I guess. Mm-hmm. But if I stop speaking Spanish for the next 10 years, I will likely not have that good of a grip on Spanish in yep. 10 years. And if I stop speaking French for like probably a year because I speak it at such a lower level, mm-hmm. then I will probably need to start over all that stuff. So if you don't put enough time into them, you're going to start losing basic words for each of these multiple yeah. languages. And so you could do it if you had enough time. If you could give enough time to maintain and improve both of them, then – Sure, but I think most people lack free time. So I guess that's that's uh, the line of questioning that I want to explore right now. How disparate do two different disciplines need to be for you to be able to split your time between them? And I ask that because I feel like, you know, the question of splitting time between languages at a more fundamental level, you could phrase that as, you know, should I split time between two different pursuits, like skills I'm trying to learn in general? Yeah. So right now I'm taking a parkour class. I'm also playing guitar quite often and I'm learning um, some computer algorithm stuff at the moment. And like those things are all very separate. So I feel like there, there's literally no uh, potential for me to screw up or yeah, confuse you're not going to like those... start trying to algorithmically do stuff on your guitar. Yeah. And I'm not going to like try to do a Kong vault over a JavaScript algorithm or something like that doesn't make any sense. I like that phrase, though. It's, <laughs> it's, it sounds really good right now, particularly that yeah, I could definitely see hipster highwayman just Kong vaulting over some algorithms there. Yeah. Uh but the question is like 
I don't know, because one is very exercise based. So that's very good on, you know, on one level because it's getting me active and everything. I feel like if I didn't do that and I took all the time that I would have been spending practicing parkour and poured it into algorithm stuff like there's there's a limit I'm going to hit with the gains I could make in that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just like you need you need to have a certain amount of free time. If you have so little free time that you're only dedicating like 10 minutes to each thing, then there's a clear cut answer and you need to focus. Yeah. If you have a good amount of free time, then, you know, given the fact that you can split that among a couple of different things and still be able to really deeply engage with each thing when you're working on it, then maybe it is okay to well, do two at once. If you're hitting a limit that you're like happy with your parkour stuff, if you're hitting a limit and you're like, okay, well, one, this is exercise based. So there is a hard limit on what your body can do. Yep. But Arguably, if you drop the other two and spend all this time studying techniques and reading up on parkour and practicing and focusing on all the best food for it and sleep and whatnot, you would get better at it than right now balancing it with other things. But if you're right true. now doing enough to be happy with it, then that's fine. Yeah, I guess it's true. So it's like the balance. So like you could, how you could read that whole crypto book be? if you yeah. stopped going to parkour class much faster and you could do it. At any given time, you will get the most done by doing one thing, but you don't have to do the most. That's not what life is about. Yeah. So it's like with multiple languages, if you can't give enough time to be happy with what you're doing in both, then do one. Okay. So there's a, there's a, there's a depth threshold, I would say. There's some amount of time where if you study for less than that amount of time, you can't slip into the flow state. You can't get deep. Yeah. But once you've hit the depth threshold, if you can spend a decent amount of time there at that point, whether or not you're doing multiple pursuits, multiple languages hinges on how bad do you want to be world-class or yeah. how bad do you want to get to expert level status in this versus, you know, how much do you want to, for enjoyment's sake, put time into something else. Yeah. And then with languages, speak? I'm also concerned about the mix up thing. Yeah. Well, well, the mix, the mix up makes it particularly uh, complicated, especially with similar languages. So if you are doing multiple, I still definitely recommend staggering them, mm -hmm. getting through the basics in one language. You got, you got your head around most of the basic grammar you need and then, and then moving on while continuing one. Yeah. That, that will make that easier, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just about doing whatever you're satisfied with. I got to say though, and this is a little off topic, being into the things I'm in right now has made me a lot happier. Like a yeah. few months isn't that, ago, isn't that kind of the goal? I think two months, like two months ago, I would have said like, I'm still living in Denver, like still running a pretty successful business, but I wasn't exactly like super happy or fulfilled. I had a lot of days where I was just like, what am, what exactly am I doing right now? You know, and it gets to the point where like you, you like your job, but maybe the aspects of your job that you have to keep up aren't fulfilling you intellectually, but you still have to do them. Yeah. You know, so I think getting into something that you're really interested in and maybe if, if it's a couple things, as long as those are making you happy, then you don't need to necessarily be like on the fast track to world class performance. Oh, no. It's all like, of them. do you want to speak Korean in the next year to like 80 percent degree? Yeah. Or do are you willing to wait longer because you also want to be doing some other stuff like you mm -hmm. got to you just kind of pick what do you want? out of it but there is a threshold where you're doing so many things that you can't even yeah if i were to add just like wasting five more time, things there would be no depth like you're not going to get any joy you're not going to mm -hmm. reach a state where you're actually learning in any of them yeah so there is like a minimum yeah but but right now being able to put like four to five hours into parkour every week being able to 
play guitar for like half an hour a night and then spending a good amount of time reading up on this computer science stuff. It's a lot of fun. I think it's a good balance. I don't feel like I'm too stressed out and I'm making enough progress for it to feel meaningful. Yeah. Just seek that balance there. All right. Question number three, I think best out loud. So what should I do when I don't have someone to talk to? And I have an answer for this question. Oh, good. Yep. You can talk to a little rectangle in your pocket. That is true. Uh, I do this all the time because I think out my videos out loud a lot of times. I, sometimes I can sit down and write a script, but the typical workflow for me making a video is when I don't feel any pressure on the deadline, I'll like go do some research. I'll get some some things noted down into Evernote. I'll start to build a research document, but it doesn't really become cohesive until I get near to the deadline. And then once I get near the deadline, I start coming up with things at the most inopportune times. Like literally this morning, I woke up at 6.20 a.m., got in the shower, and immediately started thinking of things I wanted to put in the video. And I'm like, oh, crap. What can I do? I don't have someone to talk to. I don't have something to record. So one thing I do have is a a waterproof shower notebook. Yeah. So I will write down little notes to myself. I'll talk it out in the shower and then I'll write down the most important points onto that shower notebook. And then I'll get out of the shower. I'll go into my room and I'll just hold my my camera in front of my face on my phone and talk out a really rough draft of the video. Or if I'm in the car, I'll use the voice recording app. Um, and there's one I do want to recommend. So there is the default voice notes app on basically any phone. But the one I like at least on the iPhone, is called RecUp, like record up, so RecUp. Oh, I got you. Um, it used to be called Dropbox because what it does is records your voice and then immediately uploads that file to Dropbox. Oh. So the voice app is pretty cool, like the default one, but you have to manually hit the share button to get it into Dropbox. And for me, I want to be able to review those files later on on my computer because that's where I'm doing the work and actually writing the script. So Dropbox will just immediately port it over to Dropbox. I can open it immediately. So that reduces the friction. But basically, for me, it's just record your thoughts. Yeah. Because you're talking to your future self, essentially. I've done the exact same thing. I've definitely recorded into my phone plenty of times. Um, I also just talk to myself, you Mm -hmm. know, frequently enough. Maybe I look a little weird, but I'll talk to myself if I'm like working through an idea at home. Or I'm yeah. going for going for a walk. Hopefully there aren't too many people around. But if you want to go for a walk and talk to yourself, just put some headphones in. People will think you're on the phone. Done. That's true. Now you don't look so weird. Yeah. But the shower is a great place. Um, I would say that also if if the problem – like that works for when there just isn't somebody. But if the problem isn't there isn't normally somebody, you can also try to get something like a mastermind group. Yeah. Or like – um. My ever supporting girlfriend has basically learned that there are certain times where I'm asking her questions and I'm talking to her about something. And sometimes I want an answer, but sometimes she can just kind of sit there and then I'll keep talking and then and then I'll figure it out. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, nice. And I just had the conversation with myself under the guise of having it with her. And she totally knows this. But um, you can set up systems to where you have somebody to work with. But mm-hmm. if you do. Even if it's just a singular person, then you should probably help them with similar things so that it's not yeah. like a one-sided, you're just, you're literally my voice recorder. Mm-hmm. I have several Skype friends who they all work at home just like I do. So a lot of times if I want to talk to somebody, I can just message them and say, hey, you got time to Skype? 
to Matt or Andrew or someone like that. Yeah. And we'll get on Skype and I'll bounce ideas off of them. And then invariably we end up talking for probably two hours. So it usually wastes a lot of the day. I'll put wastes in quotes because I am kind of thinking through things. Uh, and that's useful. Now, one thing that I'm probably sure you're aware of this is uh, a technique that programmers use called rubber duck debugging, where they will keep a rubber duck on their desk or really anything. Could be a Wario amiibo or any inanimate object. Or a good amiibo. Or a good amiibo, I guess, like a Wario amiibo, you know. (laughs) And they'll just talk the problem out to the inanimate object of their choosing. Because the act of talking, you've never heard of this? No. Really? No, I just talked to myself. I don't need to pretend it's something else. I figured you had at least heard of the concept. I hadn't heard of it. That's pretty cool, though. Interesting. Yeah, they just talk the problem out to the rubber duck or to the Wario amiibo, and the act of talking it out, trying to put it into terms that another person would understand, helps you to reframe the problem. So maybe you don't need a person. Maybe you just need an imaginary friend. That might make you look weird. Hey there, Mr. Duck, look at this. What's this line of code doing? Oh, let me explain that to you, Mr. Duck. That's going to be... Maybe hey. maybe try to do it a little more low key or don't. Hey, I'm alone <laughs> half the time. I, I wanna, can talk to rubber I ducks get that all I now. want. I want that now. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna buy you a rubber duck. <laughs> uh, everyone who works at College Info Geek gets a free rubber duck to talk to and look like a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to feel so oh, crazy. You could do so that on the walks too. You just talking to your duck on a, on a nice walk. <laughs> you just walk around the town. Just hey, Mr. Duck, how's it going? <laughs> 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 that would look real weird. And even without the duck, one thing that I find is if I get out a sheet of paper and start just drawing out my ideas, I can talk to myself because I'm essentially creating a feedback loop where I say a few things and then I'm writing it down. So I am creating a record and I'm creating an external uh, representation of my ideas that isn't just bound up in my voice. Yeah. So there's a bunch of ways you can well, do written it. Written stuff's easier to scan later too. That's, it is. That's kind of my annoyance with the voice recording is that I have to listen through it. And sometimes it's long if I was unsure of what I was going to say. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I'm working through a really difficult problem, like when I was on the plane trying to figure out how to create Sudoku puzzles or when I'm yesterday, I was like trying to figure out how a certain um, sort works in computer science. I talk to myself the whole time. Like I don't sit there silently trying to visualize how things work i actually talk them out yeah and i might do them under my breath so no one can hear me but i'm still talking at the very least i'm saying them all very deliberately in my head if not out loud yeah yeah so i don't know bottom line voice recording apps skype friends and imaginary friends it's fine yep nothing like a duck question number four why not just put everything into anki why not Put your dog into Anki. Put your dinner into Anki. I don't remember my dog's name. Put that into Anki. There you go. I want to meet that dad. Everyone's going into Anki. I want his barbecue brisket. Here's the thing. And I do want to define, every time we mention Anki, I feel the need to define it and also say how it's spelled. So Anki, A-N-K-I. Wow, almost. Wow, you can't even. A-N-K-I. Expert. Is a, uh, it's a flashcard app that uses spaced repetition. If you don't know what spaced repetition is, I wrote an article, I made a video that we'll link to in the show notes. It's a very, very effective study technique. Uh, The thing about Anki is its style of quizzing you is flashcard style. Yeah. You create flashcards or download them and then you are quizzed on them. So you, the, the most um, common case in Anki is just translating words in a different language. So if you're studying Japanese, maybe it shows you a kanji and you have to say, okay, that's the kanji for uh, toenail or something like that. 
and then you see if you got it right. If you did, you tell the program if it was easy or if it was difficult or if you got it wrong, um, you say you got it wrong. And then based on your answer, it will either show you the card again during the same study session if you got it wrong or it will show you it um, way in the future if it was easy or pretty soon if it was pretty difficult. Yeah, basically, if you know the word, it's not going to keep asking you the word. Yeah, exactly. So this is why not put everything into Anki. Number one, flashcard style quizzing just isn't the most effective way to study every subject out there. It might be great for language vocabulary, but if you're trying to learn grammar, like it might be useful, but it is probably You'd have better to think for you about to, how to make the cards. Yeah. You'd have to think about well, that. Well, I think that when I was going through Text Fugu, there was actually grammar quizzes in Anki that I did. But more often than not, I was writing Japanese grammar or I was trying to read sentences. And that's a different kind of exercise than just quizzing yourself on a flashcard. And to take it a step further, if you're learning like algorithms or something, or if you're learning math, then looking at a flashcard that has a sigma notation problem on it, and then just trying to guess it and then turning it over and seeing the answer isn't as useful as literally writing out a sigma notation problem and working it on a piece of paper, going through the steps of the formula and understanding every single step of the equation. Yeah. Well, spaced repetition is like a super efficient form of memorization, but it's memorization. And that's not the same as understanding. It isn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I wouldn't say it's just memorization. It is learning, but yes, for that same equation though, eventually what would happen is I would likely just remember what that problem looks like and remember the answer. Yeah. I mean, I I do want to point out here that spaced repetition isn't just for memorization. I I mean, this is like the flashcards and spaced repetition put together. The spacing effect in general is just the fact that your brain learns information better when it is forced to recall it near the time when it would forget it. Yeah. So that can work for sports. It can work for math and it can work for language and uh, flashcard study. But I think what you're talking about is like using Anki yeah, style. I mean, I mean, specifically like they, these are flashcards and yeah. what might happen, you're going to memorize what the back of the flashcard says. Yes. So maybe there's a gr- grammatical thing going on there, but you just know the answer to that question now. That doesn't mean you could recreate it yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of thing. But also it, it just doesn't equate to understanding. So for things where you need to really innately understand it, yeah. practice is going to be different. Um, in addition to the fact that Anki isn't the most efficient way to learn every kind of thing, even if you're putting things like vocabulary words into it, if you put too many things into it, you are going to hate it and you are probably <laughs> going to burn out because I was going through like adding every word I thought was kind of interesting from a Spanish book. And then it occurred to me, most of these words aren't that important. And yeah. I now have a list of like 3 billion words I need to put into Anki later. Even putting them into Anki is really like, I don't want to do that. It's really scary. It's going to take me years to make good cards for all this. Yeah. But then if you're spending 20 minutes a day reviewing words, that I guess you, you're probably going to learn the words and that's important for basic words. But sometimes you're going too far and maybe 20 minutes of a conversation would actually be better. Yeah. And the thing that I want to bring up, which is very related to this point about it getting overwhelming, is the most effective ingredient in learning anything is interest. Bar none. You have to be interested. And the thing about Anki is when you start, it is interesting because it's an effective study tool. So you feel like you're making quick progress in the language that you are hopefully interested in. Yeah. But 
the act of studying Anki flashcards itself is not that interesting because there's not a whole lot of context there. Like you see the Japanese kanji for toenail, you flip it over, that's toenail. Cool. I know the word for toenail now, but it isn't really bundled up in anything else that you're really. No, that wasn't a nice conversation about in. toenails you had with yeah. a stranger. I don't know why you would have that, but hey, man, I don't judge. You know, but you have a point there. Going out and having a nice toenail-based conversation with hey, a stranger. I'd like to practice the word toenail. You want to talk about it? Yeah, that's a pretty good opener. How long are your toenails? I mean, I'm gonna have that conversation for at least a few sentences before I run away. Exactly, and. As every language learner knows who has used Anki, as you get further and further into study, Anki typically gets bigger and bigger, filled up with more and more cards, and if you let it, can come to represent more and more of your study time every day. Yeah. So just remember, Anki is not the most direct way to interact with your subject of study in a way that you are interested in. If I'm really interested in computer programming... It's going to be a lot more interesting for me to go out and write a program or go debug a program somebody else made so I can make it do something else than it is for me to see a flashcard that says, what type of sort is this? Flip. Oh, it's bubble sort. Cool. Like, that's a little interesting, but not as interesting as going and writing the actual thing. Yeah. So that's why I don't put everything in Anki. Yeah, and, Anki and- is a tool for a specific use. We can extend that a little bit, and and there's another question in there a little bit. Why not systematize everything? Why not put everything in your productivity, Mm. your to-do systems, all this stuff? And to that, I say, because it's not fun. Yeah, your brain isn't a computer yet. Yet. I'm not a robot, and I, I have had my productivity system and things like Anki so intense that every day I had to do so many things that it told me to do that I more or less wrote a program for myself. And while that sounds efficient, life's not about being efficient. At least mine isn't. I, that's not the point. Like at some point, I will hope to hopefully look back and say, I enjoyed that. That was cool. Not this was a really effective use of my time. Yes. <laughs> Hello, fellow human being. Would you like to ingest calories and turn them into ATP? Yeah. Exactly. In order to power our muscles for locomotion and also brain processing. Yeah, I have hobbies that I refuse to put into any sort of system or have goals with, like photography, because I don't care if I get good at it. And if I make it into something like that, or with piano, if I make learning that Zelda song like a chore somehow, yeah, it's just, I'm not going to like it as much as if I was, just, all I wanted was to mess around. I don't care if it's an effective use of my time. I think somebody asked me on Twitter the other day, like, what are your most effective guitar practice tips or something like that? It was something about guitar practice. And I just tweeted back when I play the guitar, I never practice. It is never, I'm going to sit down to practice the guitar. It is always, I am sitting down to play the guitar and I get better every time I play. But if I decide to run through a scale, it's because it's fun. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I'm going to get better at scales. I'm going to sit here and practice scales. And you know what? That's totally valid for people who want to be musicians or for people who have set a goal to get better at the instrument for some external reason. But for me personally, oops, hit the mic. That's professional. (laughs) (laughs) For me personally, guitar is not something that I want to become some expert in. I don't want to master the guitar. I want to sit down and I want to play and I just love playing. So if I come up with something in my head and it's hard for my fingers to do, I'll just keep doing it, but it's because I like to do it. 
Yeah, it's okay to not be an expert and it's okay to not have external goals you're reaching if you just want to mess around. Yeah. So don't put everything into Anki because you'll overwhelm yourself. But mm-hmm. also don't put everything into any system because you'll overwhelm yourself. Yeah, exactly. All right. So last question here. Number five. I'm graduating soon. Mumbo number five. <laughs> um, and I'm also thinking of, what is it, Jurassic Five? Is that, is that the rap group? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they're great. All right. I'm graduating soon, but I've realized I don't like my major career path. What should I do? This was me. Actually. Panic. Yeah, Panic. Um, freak out, all hands on deck, have horrible anxiety, um, realize that life is totally out of your hands and and deterministic and, uh, just go get a job, spend 40 years at it, hate it, but, uh, you know, bring your sack lunch, take a walk every day to kind of de-stress a little bit, retire when you're 65. You can switch up condiments on your sandwich every day. Yes, you can. And that will just, that's the spice of life. Spice is the spice of life. Don't use Dijon mustard though. What? You'll be out of touch. No, it's great. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, I had this problem actually. Now it wasn't it wasn't near when I was about to graduate, but I did my internship after my sophomore year, and for the first two years of college, I was pretty gung ho about being in IT. I was really interested in it. I was learning how Linux worked. I was learning programming. I was studying for CompTIA A plus and Network Plus. Like I was gung ho, and I got this internship at the networking department in this big financial corporation. And they put me into a cubicle. And for three months I did work that made me feel like I was in prison. Nice. And I love it. I remember looking around at the cubicles thinking like this three month internship feels like a prison sentence to me. I don't know how everyone who's working here full time deals with it because they don't have an end date in sight. I mean, I guess, you know, theoretically, there's We've retirement. all got an end date in sight, Thomas. <laughs> we will all expire someday. Yeah. <laughs> now, this isn't Dear Hank and John. This isn't a death podcast. But I'm trying to have me. an existential crisis <laughs> over here. Maybe I can get you on their show. Panic attacks are fun in my experience. Hey, so let's yo, have Hank, some. my friend Martin wants to have an existential crisis. Is it cool if he comes on your show for a bit? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he can come on. <laughs> yep. We'll set up a date. But I, I just didn't get it. I was like, how do these people deal with this? Now, maybe they liked the job more than I do. It's very possible. But I got done with that internship and I was like, I can't do that. But I didn't change my major because I was already pretty far into the major. Now there is the sunk cost fallacy and all that. Like, oh, I've put this much effort in. That really wasn't a factor in my calculation. The factor in my calculation was I want to be in college for four years because I don't want to be in it for five. Yeah. And switching my major is going to add extra time, extra cost onto my curriculum. And crucially, I don't think it's actually going to help me do what I want to do. So that one thing this person didn't tell us about was whether or not he had an idea of something he may want to pivot to, or if he's just like, I don't like what I'm in. That's kind of a crucial distinction here. I had something that I wanted to do. Because while I was working through that internship, I was also building College Info Geek, and that summer happened to be the time where it started to gain some initial traction. Um, and I was like, maybe this could be something that maybe becomes a business, or at the very least, helps me to get a job doing something I really like doing. Maybe I can go be like a marketing manager for a startup, or work with a media company, or something like that. Like this is going to make my resume 
look really good, even though I'm not majoring in journalism or English or digital publishing or whatever you think would be aligned with that kind of a job. So I just went ham on College Info Geek while continuing to finish my major. And I decreased my involvement in extracurriculars so I could gain time to work on the blog. Yeah. So really what I was doing was I was I was working on a gradual pivot to something else. And this is really what you need to think about. How can I pivot from the path I'm on to a new path? And the way you do this is that you have to build what's called career capital. You basically need to start building connections, experience, and skills in the new area that will allow you to gradually move over to it. You can't just say, I'm in finance, but I really think my passion is like hot yoga. So I'm just going to go start a hot yoga studio. You don't have connections. You don't have a yoga teaching certification. You don't have somebody who you can pay to be your yoga teacher. You don't know how to go rent out a place. There's a lot of things you don't know how to do. You haven't done the market research. There's all these things that do not qualify you to, to own a hot yoga studio. Now, maybe you take a night class while you're working your finance job to get a yoga teaching certification. That might take you a while, but boom, now you've leveled up into your eventual pivot. Now you know how to teach yoga. Okay. Now maybe you go work at a yoga studio on the weekends. So now you're starting to get a little bit of information about how a business is run, how you attract clients, how you work really well one-on-one with people. So they don't think you're just like a crappy yoga teacher because it's not just the ability to do yoga. There's also the teaching elements. And over time you realize, okay, now, wow, I have a connection with an established yoga place. I might go open a shop in a different town so I'm not competing with them and I can actually maybe, you know, trade business, help advertise each other. Now I have the skills and the certification so I can actually convince people I'm qualified to teach. Okay, now I can take the leap. I'm gonna quit my job. I have a year-long runway. I'm gonna go rent a studio and now I have a bigger chance of success. But it was this gradual process of building up everything that was needed to make the leap. You don't just do it right away. So if you're near graduation, number one, you got to ask yourself, do I have something I want to pivot to? And once you do start creating a plan of attack for how do you move from what I'm doing now to that thing? You can probably create a list of things you would need to do, and then you can figure out how close am I based on that? Like our friend Clyde was in computer engineering and he wanted to switch to our major. And then he realized, oh, I actually have more credits done in that major yeah. Than I do in my own major. Yeah. Okay. Was, easy pivot. You're basically in that major. You just didn't even yeah, know the it. pivot costs you nothing. So the pivot, yeah, the pivot is to go say, Hey, I want to change my major. But if you want to change from computer engineering to, you know, fashion design or something, that's a bit bigger of a pivot. So there's more considerations to be made and there might be a longer runway of time where you're still keeping things up here because this is where your living is made. Well, yeah, you're making you preparations. Got, you got to eat. Otherwise, you can't pivot at all. Yeah, exactly. And if, you, if this guy is really close to graduation, then he probably has to That's eat. That's your most likely way to make he, money, probably. Yeah. He might have student loans coming up, you know. So put in a couple of years in that field that you don't like, but use that as an incubation period to make your leap. Yeah. And I mean, I've done this with things because I wanted, I didn't end up getting the job, but I was trying to get an IT job in like the language department school. Right now, I have a goal. I've volunteered to teach English to some refugees, and I have a goal to get some certifications for teaching English and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
I am still currently becoming more qualified in language things just because I like it as a side thing. Nothing is stopping me from it. Yeah. Like my major has nothing to do with that. All, all that it is. And in fact, a lot of times just having a degree is going to be like the minimum for something, even if it's not that related, as long as you also have the experience to yeah. prove you can do it. So it's not like you're ruined forever until you can go back to school unless you have a very particular pivot in mind, which which is harder and requires more school. That yeah. is sometimes the case. Yeah. But you can go do whatever you want in your free time. Just accept that you're going to be using your free time to slowly pivot to something productive that you like rather than to play more video games every night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the sacrifice. You know, and you might want to go spend more time working on language stuff in the future. It's not going to work out very well if you're just like, hey, Tom, peacing out to go teach English full time. Like, I don't know. Maybe you could go sign up for the JPL and go teach English in Japan and be paid a stipend to eat rice and beans on. Oh, see, in my case, you know, I kind of just want it as like a side thing. Yeah, that's totally fine. But in general, like just just say, bye, I'm going to do this dramatic thing. I'm going to tell my boss off. I'm going to leave and I'm going to do everything I ever wanted. Hopefully you've got a lot of money to back up that claim yep. because you still need to live while you're pivoting. And if that if that new skill takes months or a year, you probably should have just done it on the side. Be- yeah. Unless, you know, you're rich or something, in which case I guess do whatever you want. You probably already could. Yeah. You're probably not listening to this podcast. Yeah, you you don't need that. You're just bouncing on a But realistically, you can make you can make it slowly so that it can be affordable, realistic, and not really dramatic and have all your family go, Did you just you just graduated and you just <laughs> threw your degree in the trash. What are you doing? Yep. Because I could see why they would respond that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be smart about it. I mean, family is always going to complain about certain things, and that's not always a reason to not do things. But Oh, no, but in yeah. this case, just like abandoning something immediately without like a yeah a plan that makes use of things and makes sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But slowly pivoting, you can build a savings, and you, know, you can yeah. start to build a life. And realize that. Even if you spend two years doing something after college, that doesn't set your career in stone. So many people pivot away from, in fact, actually, I would say more people pivot away from their initial career path a couple of years after college than those that decide they don't like it near graduation or while they're still students. I'm I'm pretty much an anomaly among the people I know. I mean, I go to conferences all the time. I meet a lot of entrepreneurs who run their own businesses and I know very few who got into this before they were done with formal education. Almost every single one will tell you some variation of the story of, well, I graduated with a degree in finance and then I went and worked in industry for like four years and then I realized it wasn't my passion. So now I'm running my hot yoga blog. Like it's almost always a pivot after a few years in the industry that they initially intended to be in. Yeah. Your, so your don't feel like the you, end of you. Yeah. Don't feel like you have somehow missed the boat on this. If you're thinking about this near graduation, you're actually kind of ahead of the curve. Most people realize they don't like their industry after they've worked in it for a few years. So don't freak out. The other thing I want to mention here is, um, what is it? It's there's three elements of work that are, that make it fulfilling. I believe it's autonomy, competency, and meaningfulness. So if you do work where you feel like you have autonomy, you feel like you have the ability to make decisions independently. Like you don't have a boss micromanaging you and telling you what to click on. If you feel competent, you feel like you're good at it and you feel like it has meaning. Like there's actually something you're contributing to here that's bigger than yourself. Then you're likely to feel fulfilled with your work, even if it's not necessarily in an industry that you're super passionate about. 
And there's a school of thought out there that I think is totally legitimate that says, have your day job, even if it's not your passion, as long as it meets those three criteria, have it, it will be fulfilling to some degree. And it can support the thing you really love as a side hobby that you don't feel yeah. needs to be your living. Yeah, or or maybe it can't be a living because your yeah. your passion maybe isn't that marketable, but you have a family. Yeah, or maybe you just don't want it to be living. I love playing music, but you know what? I never want to be a professional musician. Yeah. I never want to have to put out albums or go tour or sell merch to a bunch of people in a dingy club. I never want to do that. And I really like the impact that our work has. I think our impact, or I think our work has a lot of meaning to it and I wouldn't want to give that up, but I love playing music. So I will just use the money I make through this job to enable me to play some music. And maybe someday I'll even go play a gig somewhere, but it will be for fun. Not because I think it needs to pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. What you really like doesn't necessarily have to pay the bills. It can, but it doesn't have to. Uh, a couple of book recommendations for this particular question. Uh, there is the book So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. That is on my essential reads list for students. I think every student should read that. And also um, my friend Jenny Blake wrote an entire book called Pivot all about how to make these moves. If you don't like your career, how do you get into something else? So if this is a question that you're thinking about, uh, Pivot might be a book that you want to look into. Um, in full disclosure, I'm in that book. So, oh, yep. We'll she interviewed that. me because of the whole pivoting from the internship to what I'm doing now thing. And also I think from the pivot uh, as a, pivoting from a blogger to a YouTuber idea as well. Um, but it's a very good book. I think I'm in it for like a paragraph. So it's not some biopic about me. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to recommend the Thomas Frank biography. <laughs> yeah, you it's might. got some pretty sweet moments. I think everyone should read my biography. Otherwise their life will be incomplete and they won't know what to do with their lives. Yeah. I'm not self-important at all or anything. No, it's like a few sentences and then on to something else. Uh, and it's a good book. So those are our five questions. We will have those book recommendations and anything else we mentioned, such as the uh, app for recording your voice in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at CIGpodcast.com slash 184, right? Yes. Yep. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, the link will be down in the description below. So just go click your mouse on that. You'll find all the goods. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play or on YouTube if you like the video version to get new episodes every single week when they come out. And one great way to uh, help support this podcast if you decide to si uh, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or maybe even Google Play. I'm not sure if you can do it on Google Play. But definitely on Apple Podcasts, you can review this show, give it a rating. That definitely helps to bump the show up the rankings and get it out to more people, help it grow, and that makes us very happy podcasters. So thank you guys if you do that, and thank you as always for watching slash listening, and we will see you next week's episode. Stay cute.